Welcome to Automating the Chain, the weekly podcast and webinar specifically engineered to support and educate executives as they explore the potential of industrial automation. Each week, we sit down with an executive leader or their technical counterpart of an international organization to discuss how they plan to leverage industrial automation to advance their business. We will also have startups focused on automating the supply chain explain their technology in an accessible way. Experts in the field will colour in historical and current case studies. Without further ado, let's get into the show. Thank you so much for coming on Automating the Chain. Let me just start off by introducing you. You're Senior Advisor for uh, the Technology Research and Planning Team at FedEx Express. And you have been at FedEx for an overwhelming 25 years. Uh, I I don't think I've met anyone who's been at a company for over 25 years. I don't want to give away my age, but I wasn't born that long (laughs) after that. Uh, So please, uh, welcome to Automating the Gene. I'm really grateful to have you on. Please, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you're doing at FedEx, your team, and what, why you guys exist as a, as a team within FedEx. Oh, thank you, T. Yeah, as you stated, I, I started here 25 years ago. I was actually offloading trucks while I was still going to university. So I, I definitely started the ground floor and have worked numerous jobs here at FedEx. And a couple of years ago, I joined the technology research and planning team. I am the senior advisor for the team. So that means I set strategy. I look at planning. I do forecasting. And I really try and set the uh, stage for the t- new technologies that the team's going to go after. We are the tip of the spear when it comes to new technologies here at FedEx Express. And we take new technologies. We run them through our, their paces and see, are they ready to enter the FedEx uh, enterprise network? And if they are, we then work with the team that will own it the rest of its life. And then we move on to the next project. It's it's a great job to have. I get to work with great folks and uh, get to see so many great new technologies. It is really a dream job. I mean, FedEx is in the news every day. It's it's obviously a company we all use on a daily basis. And so it's a household name. In terms of what you're known for, I mean, I came across you because, I mean, coming from the enterprise and data analytics and uh, technology world from a marketing perspective, I came across your name multiple times in the supply chain industry. And uh, clearly you're known as a evangelist for FedEx Mm -hmm. within and outside. Can you tell us how you got this evangelist role and how did it come about? Yeah, I mean, as I said, I mean, our, as our group being the tip of the spear, we get to play with so many new technologies. And for us to be successful, we need to find those new technologies and all, and advocate for them. Because some of these are brand new technologies that are just being birthed by the industry. And being that big gorilla in the room, to say the least, is FedEx, we can really help push those technologies to the forefront because when we start using them, everyone wants to start using them. And maybe we won't use them right away, but at least being that advocate 
Uh, this is something great. It just needs to get it off the ground. And maybe if we're not the one that can fully get it off the ground to start, that doesn't mean by us not advocating for it, that doesn't help maybe a smaller or a medium-sized enterprise really say, hey, FedEx really likes this. I should pay attention. And oh, by the way, I can start using that technology right now. And that's that's what we sometimes need in, in when it comes to these brand new technologies in the supply chain is having actually those small and medium-sized enterprises actually be the first ones to start using it and giving those, especially startups, that ground motion to get moving. Because as they build those deployments, they build their credibility, they grow their teams. And by the time they're getting that big, that's when a company like a FedEx, a Fortune 500 company, really can start working with them at that time because they've established themselves. So that's where I always say I'm an advocate and angelical for this kind of stuff because it at least gets it moving into the, into the enterprise. That's incredibly helpful, Aaron. Anyone who's listening is probably thinking, okay, Aaron, you've got FedEx and you're an evangelist for FedEx, but at the same time, how are you guys adopting robotics and automation within FedEx? What are you adopting and how are you guys right. leveraging these technologies and automation? Oh yeah, I mean, we're, we're on both sides. We're both on the software and the hardware side. Hardware side, you're, we're very much deploying robotics into our systems. Drones, we are, we are one of the companies that has partnered with drone companies to make the last mile delivery. But on the software side, we're very heavy into blockchain because our customers need to see their packages, not just as they're in our network, but as, as they actually enter, they leave the factory and they go through maybe into a warehouse that maybe FedEx controls, maybe FedEx doesn't control. But then as it moves in into the FedEx network at Express or Ground or Freight, they still need to see that trackability all the way through the system. And in, even after we hand it off to another warehouse or to a customer, establishing that, that rest of that chain, especially with the, the, what, what great things blockchain gives to customers now, so that if anything, it needs to be told later down of that story of how did that part get to that customer of being able to track it all the way back through the supply chain to find out if there was something that changed. Great, great way of looking at this is like with the vaccine distributions. There is a lot of technology going into that from them leaving the floors of Pfizer and Merck and Johnson and Johnson, moving through the network and all the way into customers' arms. So we have cold chain facilities that the not a lot of folks talked about cold chain uh, logistics two years ago. They're really big right now because of vaccines. And I think they're going to be big going forward with just numerous other products. But also just in taking sensor-based logistics, which my team works on, of actually being able to track these packages beyond the barcode, as we'd like to say, of being able to actually know exactly where that package is every 30 minutes. And it could be on a truck. It could be on a plane. It could be at someone's location already. And then also monitoring, is it staying cold, especially for these vaccines like uh, the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccine that need to be kept cold at all times. Having those sensors in the package, as our, our founder said long ago, Mr. Fred Smith, who founded FedEx back in, in 1971, he, he really realized that data is becoming so critical to our customers. It's almost more valuable than the, the package itself. And sometimes is knowing the data around that. So this is some of the great stuff we get to work on here at FedEx with my team 
from robotics to blockchain to sensorware. And I, I just I just love doing it and I look forward to the next technology around the bin. <laughs> Aaron, I share your enthusiasm. I worked with the co-founder of Ethereum and helped the European Commission and the European community understand blockchain. And it is so fascinating that you're working with us on a daily basis. And sensors, everyone, I mean, can see the value. The team that works with the IoTs is now the most popular guy or gal in the in the room now. Yeah. So on that note, let's just move to what, you know, clearly automation does not and cannot work without people. Mm-hmm. Robots prevent some people from doing really dull, dirty, dangerous jobs in what you refer to all the time in a lot of your articles, the three Ds, tasks to allow people to focus on higher value activities. So what kind of investments are you and your team making to make sure that your workforce and your customers are are well prepared? I've always said that if you're going to be an advocate for technology, you first need to be an advocate for people. And when it comes to introducing a new technology, regardless if it's in the four walls of your business or outside the four walls of the business, you have to take the people aspect of how, how is that technology going to impact them? So internally, how do we plan for that? Well, before we even deploy a lot of our technologies, we get all the people that are going to be key, all the, the key stakeholders on board. And that can be anyone from IT to engineering to mechanics to the guy actually touching the package of getting their buy-in, making sure a the technology is really needed, and then making sure that they fully understand it. Because then as you roll it out and you roll out the training programs around it and making sure that all the employees understand how they're going to use it, if you automatically already had that buy-in early on within the team, the rollout becomes so much easier. Because the people have bought in before they've actually maybe even touched the technology. But having that buy-in is critical to those kind of successes internally. Externally, if you're if you're going to deploy a technology that your customers are going to use, you really got to almost think about what we like to say zero credit hour training. It needs to be so seamless to them. They don't really have to take a training class to say, but it just comes natural. So like when we rolled out sensor-based logistics, that involves a customer putting that chip onto the package. And it's like, that has to be a very simple process for them to make that association of this is my package with the vaccines and I need to put this sensor on it. This is what I do. And it has to be really short and simple. But thinking through that process of zero credit hours, this should not be hard for your external customers to do, really leads into the buy-in for them of making it as simple as possible. And from a customer perspective, you're really making sure it's seamless. And from an internal perspective, do you have a, a large product team? Immediately, my sort of startup tech brain says, how many product managers do you have to make sure that process is as seamless as possible for your customers? Mm-hmm. And how many technical folks do you have now at FedEx so what is the makeup of your technical organization within FedEx? This is actually the, the magic sauce maybe around my team is we're not a big team. We're just about a dozen people of my immediate team. And we have the, the technical skill sets. We, we, are, we know 
this technology inside and out. I mean, to be on my team, you have to have that. But also the skill that you need to have is you need to know the layout of our company. You need to know who all those key players are. And actually, I think that's where my team's biggest success is, is we know the rest of the enterprise. We, I have a diverse team. I have guys that started their careers in IT. I have some guys that started their degree, their careers as mechanics, but they know everything about our vehicles now, but they're on our team. And this is, we're, it, it, we are sort of a rogue band of why is this, this group of misfit toys put together? But it's because we are, we know all these different groups. So as a new technology rolls out, we know exactly where to go in this huge bureaucracy of a company. FedEx is 600,000 plus people around the globe. And my group of 12 people has to be able to figure out which are the key players that we need to bring in on the technology. And so that's really our superpower when you really think about it. It's not our maybe our technology skill, which is very high on my team. I mean, it was it, we talked about how I've been with the company for 25 years. I'm still middle of the pack when it comes to my team of, of just experience level within the company. But this is just how, I mean, this is what's so great about why we always stress that folks should be on LinkedIn is to help build your network of experts because you also need to have that within your own company sometimes and also be able to reach outside of your own company to find maybe the experts outside your company that might have a great skill set. And that's another thing I, I, I really like about social media, social networking like LinkedIn, because I, I know a lot of key folks and I can pick up the phone and call up some, some great experts and just pick their brain sometime and just saying, hey, what do you think about this? Why do you, did your company do something like this as well? And this, that really helps build out the chain of just experts that are out there. I love that one of the skills you must have is being the guy that knows everyone or gal, of course, and mm-hmm. uh, knows everyone in the organization. So do you make sure they call everyone on Zoom in the first week? <laughs> we, we have had some very big Zoom calls for within the company because, we, I mean, it is COVID and, and we can't meet face to face, but even, even within, I guess, pre-COVID because we are, we're a global company. So we had to use tools like Zoom and all that to get folks on it and that's just something that's the new norm now and so hopefully it, it coming out of COVID if you were not a Zoom expert or a Teams expert before you are now and really leverage that new skill set to your advantage as we exit COVID and where we can still meet face to face but the whole thing is is if you want to grow your network beyond your city beyond your own country even now uh, which is really needed now. Use these new tools that you learned during the pandemic and really utilize them to the full of its advantage uh, internally to your team if you're a big company like FedEx, but also just leverage if your network out there because there are some great folks out there that have some great ideas and have a virtual coffee with them and pick their brain because I think that's how we actually move the industries we're involved in further. I've learned so many things from folks outside the logistics and warehousing industry. And I'm hoping that they, that's, I get, I have a lot of followers on LinkedIn that are actually just in agriculture and, and manufacturing, but that shared knowledge can go a lot long way, regardless of what industry you're in. So I, I really think 
take some of these new skills that you learned during the pandemic and apply them post-pandemic. This leads me to my next question, which is what has been driving automation within FedEx? And please, please, please don't say COVID. No. <laughs> oh, is it COVID? <laughs> no, I mean, actually what was, what was interesting is, is like some of these initiatives were underway prior to the pandemic. We had a lot of plans for our, our pick and place robots in our, our, our store facility prior to this, because we were already starting to see two major curves lines forming. One being the e-commerce was going up already pre-COVID and the workforce was shrinking as baby boomers left are leaving the workforce. They're still customers. They're still buying stuff, but they're just not working and they're no longer available. We were seeing this pre-COVID and actually we were projecting a lot of things happening two, three, four years out that COVID actually just accelerated to the, to the modern point. So I, I'm actually happy we were pre-planning all of this. We already had so many things in the work and it just sort of accelerated our timelines, but we knew what we were wanting to do already. And so that's where COVID really changed the supply chain is it just sped up the timeline. And now going forward, we're going to have more e-commerce. So our systems have to be able to handle that. We can buy more planes. We can buy more trucks. People-wise, though, we don't have access to a lot of people. There's people. There's just the population are shrinking around the world. We're already seeing certain countries like Japan that we know are already having negative population declines, and that's just going to keep happening all over the world. So we need to automate both with robotics in the physical world and also through software just to make things easier. AIs that can help us predict our network better. We, we have definitely had looked at how can we better plan out our networks of just not also just ha handling volume flows around the globe. But what happens if you have a major storm like we did here in the United States a couple of weeks ago that shut down the middle part of the country? Having AI and uh, machine learning templates to use to run simulation after simulation after simulation, how, how we could actually reroute our planes and our trucks around that and still keep the packages flowing was, is something that's never going to stop. And so COVID just accelerated the timeline is all I'm going to say. And hopefully you had some plans before that. If you don't, you got to have them plans now because it is a new world post-COVID of e-commerce is here. Workforces are going to continue to shrink. I mean, the big elephant in the room is the Amazonification of the entire global supply chain. Mm -hmm. And if you're not part of the Amazon network, you have to be part of another network. Mm -hmm. So uh, this network now is made up of all the other SMEs in the world that are having to quickly upgrade, quickly automate different parts of their, their supply chain. This is why automating the chain exists, by the way. The idea that everyone else needs to work together in a global community and needs to find each other in order to actually deliver their goods as efficiently. So I guess in turn, I'm curious as to what sort of software and hardware companies uh, are you able to talk about? Obviously the ones that are public that uh, you think are driving some of the automation within the supply chain of FedEx for your customers. Yeah, I mean, we are 
great partners with Microsoft. We have a great partnership with them that was announced actually during the pandemic that was in the works for a long time. Microsoft is a big company. We're a big company. And I think this is this is something that's really critical when it comes to these technologies is FedEx can work with other big companies really well because we're, we're sort of on that scale of equals. And that's not to say we don't have a place for the smaller and medium companies, the startups that are out there. But this goes back to my earlier point is sometimes for those smaller enterprises and medium enterprises, it's to get to working with a FedEx on a regular basis, a bigger company, you really need to sort of prove yourself. A long time ago, I was actually an off-ice official for a small hockey team that was considered A-League. And so I got to see all these new players coming in. And I could tell right away which ones were going to move up and which ones were going to go home. And the goal was always to move up. But you always need to develop your skills. You need to build out and make sure you were ready for the next level. So I think for a lot of these smaller and medium uh, companies, regardless if it's robotics or it's AI or it's other specialties within the, the uh, supply chain, they need to really be able to prove themselves at those lo- with the smaller and medium-sized companies and really get a foothold, get those deployments, actually show that their team is ready to take on a, a FedEx. Uh, because what you don't want is you don't want to, lack of a better term, an Oprah effect. We hear about this of if Oprah recommends your product, you're about to have a lot of sales. And that might be great if you're an author because you can just crank out the books. Actually, your publisher can crank out the books. But if you're a small business that makes a great food, chocolate, beer, something, and Oprah recommends you, you're about to get slammed. And it's so it's it's great that Oprah recommended you, but are you really ready for what Oprah's about to unleash on you? So the same thing, if you're a small business, if you're 10, 20 people, are you ready to take on a 600,000 employee company like FedEx? Are you going to be able to hold into the demands that we are going to throw at you? As I said, my team's only 12 people, but I have the ability to go get a lot of other folks that you're going to have to answer to in a, in some kind of proof of concept or early stage of development. So this is why I always stress, if you're small, work, get build those deployments, get those skills really developed, build out your team, then come talk to us. And in terms of the, the companies that you do work with, what the proof of concepts, when are they successful with you? Is it when the mm-hmm. relationship has been developing for a long time? They've got multiple, um, as you said, case studies under their belt and deployments. And when is it a time where you start working together? Yeah, I mean, everyone's different. Okay, there is no magic sauce. I mean, I, I, I wish I could say that there is an equation that we use, but a lot of it is we're going to look at the number of deployments you have, how big is your team, what are your technical competencies, what are your financials? That is us doing our due diligence for the company of do you even have the financial backing to last with us? Then as we move into a proof of concept stage, again, each one's a little special. I've done proof of concepts that have lasted one month and it works. Off, you're, you're, you guys are moving on. You're being deployed. 
Some I've had last years. So it is a little bit different. It depends on the technology. It depends on the maturity of your team, the maturity of your financials. And there is that is there's still that human element, that people element of we have to be able to trust each other to to make this relationship work. And so there is that whole thing of we will get those questions from our leadership of what is your personal thoughts on this, Aaron? And that could be me. It could be anyone else on my team of just do you feel comfortable this team is this company is ready to move on? And we'll give our honest assessments. We do work with these, these, these types. Of, as I said, we are the tip of the spear. We work with these teams on a daily basis. This is also helps make it successful because we are then that single point of contact. Even though we might have numerous other departments involved, we're that single point that helps really get them through the bureaucracy of FedEx. We are the champion for that startup or that smaller business. If they are, if we see them as ready to come into the uh, FedEx ecosystem. And are you build or buy? Because I know we're, we're a little bit of both. I don't want to be so explicit. I know one of your competitors very much build internally. Are you build or buy? We're a little bit of both. Uh, we buy our aircraft and trucks because those companies do those kind of things. We build a lot of our own software. So I would say on the hardware side, we're very much more on the buy side because we don't want to build a lot. We don't want to build our own aircraft. We don't want to build our own trucks. We just want to build from the experts that are making that. Software, we're more on our side because we know what we need when it comes to our unique place within the supply chain and what our customers uh, are requesting of us. And we can move faster in that space on our own. And that's not to say we don't engage on both sides, but hardware very much by software, we're more on the build side. Got it. Thank you. Now, moving on to customers. So customers are the lifeline of every enterprise. And from FedEx's perspective, what are they asking for from an automation perspective? Have you had customers turn to you and say, can this process be a little bit more efficient? Or um, simply because we're all using you today, how much mm -hmm. feedback are you getting from your customers and what is what are they asking for? There's two things. They're asking, A, they would like their stuff faster. So how do we add things within the four walls of FedEx that speed up that process? They don't care how we get that done. They just want it done. And they don't want to pay a lot for it. No one does. So how do we make those kind of enhancements to our systems economically viable internally? Again, they don't care how we're doing it. All they care is when is it showing up at their front door, at their office, on time, when they need it. But then when it comes to their data around that, they want as simple as can be. They want to be able to go on the FedEx.com, put in their tracking number and, and find everything they want, they want at that time. They want their bills, especially our larger customers that we do huge shipments for. They want it streamlined as best as possible. And they, they just want it as easy and simple as possible to use. Where there might be an intersection between those two is where we might be on a customer site, uh, especially for our large shippers where 
they want us there, but they don't want us there kind of stuff. They, they want us to help them get stuff off their dock faster or picked off off their dock faster, but they really don't want us taking up any of their space. So that's where my team works on some really cutting edge technologies of just how do we help them address that of where they can get stuff picked up faster and, all, and, and dropped off faster and that be a nice seamless intersection. And so there's a lot of interesting things in that, that middle play of can we introduce software elements, hardware elements that really allow those types of customers to speed up because at the end, for those type of customers, they're selling to you and me at home or to our businesses. So that goes back to the original thing. We want those things faster. So if we do have to really integrate with a customer, that's where the hardware and software parts might be more of what really makes sense for you if we're going to put something on your dock to speed that up. I really appreciate that. I give so much to your company. So as a customer, I'm asking on a growth perspective, the frontier markets, the the rest of the world is growing so rapidly. Want goods as quick as everyone else and goods from the other side of the world. Where are your growth markets? And if anyone is listening, where should they be focusing their attention? Where is FedEx going to be growing next? Well, I mean, we definitely have been able during this pandemic to highlight our, our, our life sciences division. That was always, we, that was a group that always was here. We actually built our first cold chain facility here in Memphis numerous years ago. And now that we've established that, thank God we, and we invested in that years ago because it came to the forefront with the pandemic. And the cold chain is going to continue to grow for not just pharmaceuticals and all that, but this now allows us to move foods, flowers, any kind of shipment that really needs to have a temperature-controlled environment through its, its tra- travel through the chain. We have those capabilities built in now. We have the tracking technology, the sensor-based logistics to support that. So that's going to be an area I think we're really going to focus on as, as a global look because we're still buying stuff globally, be that medicines or foods or other types of products. So that's where the FedEx global chain, where we touch 99% of the world's economy, really is going to come into play. But then on the flip side is, is you, you do have localization now. Uh, uh, of, you don't want to stretch your supply chain too broadly, if you can, because of events like the pandemic. So that means us having more operations built into more areas that can help speed up those uh, deliveries. Amazon's can deliver goods very quickly because they have distribution centers almost everywhere in the world now. So it's almost the McDonald's model. You're never so far away from an Amazon distribution center as you would think. Well, other customers are going to duplicate that and they're going to team, team up with companies like FedEx and UPS and DHL to be able to transport those goods locally as quickly as possible. There's also numerous startups in that space as well. But when it comes to scale, it's going to be a lot of the bigger players are going to have the strengths to do that. But building out a lot of new facilities over the coming years so that we can be closer to customers as as also as possible so we can tap into localized distribution networks easier and not use maybe our aircraft as much, but our ground networks. 
more. Thank you, Aaron, for that. So finally, big picture, future, what does it look like? What are you excited about in the global supply chain? Uh, it could be in the next year, it can be in five years, it can be in by 2030. What are you most excited about? I mean, I think where I'm most excited is, is even though there's a lot of talk about globalization, maybe taking a few steps back, the globe is still always going to be at your fingertips. If you want to order something from anywhere in the world, we're going to be able to do that for you. As I stated earlier, FedEx touches 99% of the global economies. I'm hoping we get to 100% uh, one day. But I really think that if there is something you want to buy in the, in the world, you will be a, able to find it quickly with simple technology searches. And then a company like FedEx will be able to get it to you as quickly as possible. Geographic travel times limited. But the whole thing is, is the globe is still at your fingertips. But also if you want to support local businesses, and those small, medium and, uh, enterprises. Maybe you go on a trip after this, after COVID, finally, and you discover this great chocolate shop on one of your trips, and you find out they actually deliver. So when you go home, if you still want to get that chocolate, you can go onto their website, place an order, and FedEx will have it to your house in, in a day or two days right away. And also, you will know everything about that trip along the way. Who knows? I mean, you could be able to find out who is making chocolates from a certain place in, in South America, and you want to support that local farmer, and you can actually support where that farmer's chocolate goes to that chocolatier and then to your house via FedEx. What's amazing about the trends in, in bio, well, um, the global... I would say understanding of where uh, traceability, mm -hmm. that said, where yeah. uh, the focus on traceability, getting the right goods to the right place at the right time, people are going to buy directly from live streaming mm -hmm. uh, in the future and look at a live streaming. It could be on TikTok and they say, I want this from this place. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be integration with Shopify and mm -hmm. FedEx. And that is going to streamline it all. But uh, I'm really, really excited, Aaron, uh, to have spent time with you today. I think we can speak all day. Clearly, if we were in the pub, this will be a very long time. Yep. And uh, But also, I'm really uh, pleased to hear that you're focused mainly on educating your people, your, your entire team at FedEx. I mean, the 600,000 people and also your customers. That is absolutely my hats off to you and thank you very much for coming on automating the chain i am sure you'll be back on very soon thank you thanks so much for listening if you've enjoyed this episode please leave us a review and let us know what you liked to follow along with future episodes be sure to subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice or head over to automatingthechain.com for the latest updates until next time 